and welcome to the 38th Womanthology podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is Women in Technology ahead of International Day of Girls in ICT on the 28th of April. I'll be joined by Amber Villegas-Williamson, Senior Technical Consultant at Uptime Institute and also Laura Allwood, Trainee Project Manager at Arcadis. Inesh Santos, our Associate Editor, would normally bring you the news stories in the written issue. However, she's on her holidays, so later on I'll be bringing them to you on her behalf. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast. We've got Amber Viegas-Williamson, who is Senior Technical Consultant at Uptime Institute. And we are also joined by Laura Allwood, who is Trainee Project Manager at Arcadis. Good morning, ladies. So thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Amber, you are a second time podcast guest because you joined us going oh. back to, I think it was, 20, it was 2020, wasn't it? It, it was a while ago. I think it was episode four of the podcast that we did about tech saviors and when we were all going through the pandemic. It was a good while ago now. So thank you for, for that, for keeping us all going during the pandemic. So today we're going to follow on from that and we've got Laura on board as well. So we're going to hear a bit about you both, a bit about your careers. And then we've got some questions about this some, some work that you're doing around careers and getting more women into data. So Amber, could you give us a bit of a recap on your educational background and career to date? Oh yeah, okay, no problem. So I'm a senior consultant for the Uptime Institute. I've been with them now for going on five years. I did my degree in electrical electronic engineering. I've been working continuously for either vendors that sell into data centers or installers that install things into data centers. But data centers have always been a part of my career. And then obviously the pandemic hit everybody, everything changed. Data centers became almost the forefront of life, the digital resiliency and having data and working from home. And it just changed everything for everyone. And also when I used to do school outreach as well. So I would go into physically into schools and I would talk to them about doing STEM and STEM careers and engineering is amazing. And then that all stopped. I joined an online school outreach program called I'm an engineer get me out of here they do different zones and I did one of those and it was really enjoyable managed to sort of speak to a lot of kids and do outreach that way and then funnily enough I did a different podcast and I kind of just mentioned it and this is the power of podcasts I mentioned it on a podcast that I did this thing somebody contacted me we then launched the invisible internet zone which had engineers from data centers all over the UK doing school outreach like absolutely bonkers and then it's just gone from strength to strength so there's one planned in June ready for this year and recently it's something I can now talk about it's been a long time coming one of my colleagues Rhonda Esierto who works as part of the Uptime Institute Intelligence Division has actually launched the data center pathfinder. So if you go on the internet and you search for datacenterpathfinder.com, it should come up. And she worked with uh, Meta, who previously called Facebook, uh, Google and Microsoft. And what they did was look at 
data center careers and how they align across the board. So the different things that people get called, what kind of skill sets you need. And this way, people who may not consider a career in data centers can go and have a look and say, well, hey, you know, have I got the minimum qualifications? Do I have the skill set needed? What kind of thing could I do? And it just opens up the, the data center world because been really quite good at keeping ourselves quiet and no one knows we exist obviously nobody on the podcast can see this but I can see Lauren like nodding her head going yes nobody knows that we even exist (laughs) but it's yeah but it's it's literally data centers are there when you're you know texting your mom when you're checking out your Netflix or you're looking at Amazon Prime your videos you're ordering something off the internet you are always doing something digital and you're always on the internet and that's that's happening somewhere on a server in a data center so without data centers this whole pivoting to working from home this digital world that we're currently living it just wouldn't be possible so now people are focusing a lot on the digital and this is the time that we can push out to say hey data centers do exist there's a whole breadth of careers here you don't necessarily have to be like me and be an engineer you can do so many other things that are desperately needed in data centers very conveniently what Laura does <laughs> so as a project manager there are people that are amazing and needed to coordinate everything and it's been a while but glad to be back well we're very glad to have you back as well and always super excited to hear from you so you have very kindly invited the lovely Laura who is also here as well so could you tell us a bit about your role Laura and how you got involved in data centers yeah of course I fell into data centers it was never really planned Two and a half years ago, I finished my A-levels, studied maths, history and economics, and then I decided I wanted to do an apprenticeship. So I did my apprenticeship in project management with Arcadis. I'm studying construction management one day a week at uni, which is really exciting and it's such an incredible opportunity. I didn't start off with Arcadis and data centres, and I started off in a vehicle testing facility, helping to build that. And then over the past 18 months, an opportunity came up with one of the biggest clients that we've got to work in data centres. And I just thought, yeah, this is a fantastic opportunity. It's so interesting, exciting. I've loved learning about data centers over the past 18 months. So interesting, as Amber said, they are needed in every aspect of life. It, you don't realize it. And I, I go to, I tell all my friends, call my friends who are similar age to me, they're just about to graduate from uni. And I'm like, oh, I work in data centers. And they just look at me like, what's that? And I, I love giving this answer. It's actually from my line manager, but I essentially, so being a project manager in construction, we help build the data centers, but we build the home where the internet lives. That's one of my favorite lines to use when people ask, what is a data center? Well, I absolutely love it. And how did you two come to know each other? Oh, this is a little bit bonkers. So one of my colleagues, Scott, knows James, who is Laura's manager, Scott was talking to him about projects and then they sort of started talking about school outreach programs and Scott's obviously explained, Jam, Amber does this, Amber does that, you need to get involved. James obviously saw the launch of the data centre career pathfinder that we launched. It's one of those things that I think if Laura was redoing her time and saw that, you would have seen it and gone, actually, yeah, this is quite interesting. This is something interesting. But until you know what careers are available, you're going to just study a subject and you don't really know where you're going to end up. So, yes, my colleague Scott put James in touch with me. We had a little bit of a chit chat and I am now mentoring Laura. Oh, and I bet you're a fabulous <laughs> mentor as well. I bet your mentoring sessions are brilliant. We've only had one at the moment. So it was only a few weeks ago we actually met, I think it was, Amber. 
yeah, only a few weeks ago, but it, it's just about trying to give Laura some more exposure to people outside of Arcadis. Because again, when you join a company and you just come out of, you know, uni or study, you're in this new world of work and everything you know is about that one company. And it's about giving that exposure to the wider world where you're actually working. So obviously Laura's doing the project management to build the home for the internet. And I'm going around the world and certifying to the tier standards um, when people choose to do the tier certification of facilities. It's about giving a different viewpoint of the world of data centers because there's so much going on. Everything's just constantly moving. Yeah, and I suppose the, the more you put yourself out of your comfort zone by meeting people from different areas and different parts of the industry, then it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, really, isn't it? Putting yourself in different situations. So then when you've got new situations at work, you've got more experience to, to deal with those. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the same eight-old adage when, when you're teaching or you're doing something in school and you're like, oh, I don't want to ask that question. That's a stupid question. I always say to people, there is no such thing as a stupid question. The only stupid question is the one you do not ask, because I guarantee you there is always somebody who's in the same position as you who doesn't understand or doesn't know or is unfamiliar. And just by talking to people, you get to know, oh, actually, this would be great for you. And, oh, have you ever spoken to so-and-so? Because that sounds exactly what you're looking for. And that's how the whole world works. Somebody said to me when I started the previous role before doing one anthology, don't ever be afraid to ask the question or to say, I don't understand. So it's much better just to be confident because it takes quite a bit of confidence to say, I don't understand something. Yeah, exactly. When you get to a position where you think, you know what, I am confident in... I know what I know, but I am confident enough to say that I don't know anything about that. Please explain it to me. Or sorry, that didn't quite make sense. Can you just clarify that point? That is a strength which you only get through speaking to other people. So if you imagine Laura starts within the company that she's working with and she only has exposure to that and if the people that she was working with weren't able to give her those skills or weren't explaining that to her, then you can get that from other places. It's about who you're working with. And sometimes you'll be in a great company, like Laura's absolutely loving it where she is. But there may be places where you're not too comfortable to say something and you're not being given the skill set to say, hey, if you don't know something, just ask. Yeah, I'm in a very fortunate position because being straight out of school into this career, it, I've been not quite thrown in at the deep end, but... It's like, right, this is a project, do some work on it. My A-levels had nothing to do with construction or project management. And um, I've had to ask so many questions, but it's amazing how much you can learn just on the job and just sitting, listening to calls, watching people. I've loved coming back into the office. I'm actually in the office today. And just sitting next to people and talking to them and observing how they work. And it's so easy to ask a question when someone sat next to you, because in the whole the new world of working from home, you've got to schedule a meeting and try and find the time. And it can be so difficult just for a simple question that can literally take a five minute answer. Yeah, no, exactly. And it just depends because everyone works differently. For example, the way that Time Institute works, we're obviously a global organization, but everybody works from home pretty much. We do have some offices dotted around the world. But if I want to ask a question, I literally, I see if the person is online, I say, hey, you free for a call and I just ring them. So there are some companies where that's acceptable. There are other companies where, like you say, you have to schedule in a meeting because that's the process and that's the policy. But it just depends on the, the company environment and what their culture is like everywhere is a little bit different obviously where, where I am if somebody's available you just ring them or you message them or you text them and it's just yeah. that level of communication that you have when you're remotely located 
all over the world versus when you have people who are able to go into the office and able to sit next to you and give you that connection that you're looking for so yeah math changes I think a lot of Bambi you said in your organization if somebody's available you just call them but whereas in some organizations that if it works differently you wouldn't be able to do that so a lot of it is about reading well what the culture is around here isn't it and fitting in I suppose sometimes it's challenging that culture isn't it or in organizations where it's more difficult to get people's time a lot of organizations have you know shared online diaries so it's having the confidence to say I'm going to send you a meeting request I'm going to book out half an hour of your time I'm going to lock in that time I've got that access then that I need yeah exactly it's just finding out how people prefer to work I I have colleagues who love just having a phone call and having a chat other people prefer texting some of them like emails and I think a lot of it's to do with when you're working internationally I know a lot of my colleagues speak English as a third or even a fourth language so sometimes for them seeing the written English of what your question is or hey how are you can you just uh, respond to this because I don't quite understand what you've done here or can you just explain this to me by having it written down they're able then to go through online translators translate it take their time and process but for native English speakers it's a case of yeah a lot of people just like to speak to one another and I have some colleagues who love video chats like we're doing now it's just the way that people work some people like to have video cameras on some people don't it's just do whatever feels right and you can always ask and that's the thing if you say hey do you mind if we have the video some people are like oh I don't feel like it some people are like yeah but look I look crap today I haven't put any makeup on it's having the confidence to say because sometimes I interview people at all different hours of the day I was interviewing somebody it ended up on a Friday night at about 10 p.m and I was just like please I'm going to be in my PJs by that point in time now so I can speak with you I'm absolutely happy to do that but please can we do it cameras off because you really don't need to see me in my PJs and I don't want to be sat in all my work stuff till 10 o'clock on a Friday night whatever so a lot of it's just about asking isn't it and so I'm going to ask you Laura about how it works because you've gone an apprenticeship route so you go to uni one day a week and then you have to work four days a week how does that work fitting that in and how are you enjoying that what are the challenges and opportunities of working like that? There's definitely a lot of challenges when it comes to assignments being due. Um, So currently my uni days are Wednesday, which is such an odd time to have it because it breaks up the week. But for me, because my uni is in person, it's Wolverhampton. So our lectures change each year, which day they'll actually be. Currently it's a Wednesday, which is the strangest day because you do two days and you're speaking to so many people on a Tuesday. They're like, oh, I'll catch up with you tomorrow. I'll catch up with you on Thursday. I'm really sorry I'm at uni. But it's given me the experience from what I've learned at work. I can also apply it to uni. What I've learned at uni, I can apply it to work. And it's, it's so brilliant to be able to combine the two and do it at the same time. But with regards to assignments and work afterwards, so I'm working a full four days at work, day at uni, and often I'm working on weekends at the moment to get these assignments done, which is difficult, but it's only a few months each year. And I've accepted that now, but I've still got two and a half half years left of my degree so two and a half years of the studying and the intense couple of months but it's well worth it with the experience and the learning and I come out with a degree and five years worth of work experience and also you've been paid for for five years as well yeah I've been paid I cannot complain I'd always recommend apprenticeships I'm a real big advocate for doing apprenticeship but people just aren't aware of what apprenticeships are out there that's one of the biggest issues I didn't know I could do an apprenticeship and what I'm doing If you asked me four years ago, maybe five years ago, I would not have had a clue what project management is. And now I'm sat here on a podcast talking about it. Do you think the fact that you've got a really good line manager helps with that as well? Because I'm I'm imagining when you've got assignments 
due, then your managing your working day is is becomes more challenging. You've got more to do. So if you've got a really good line manager who's on your on your side, then that really helps making sure that you're not overworking yourself or doing too much. Definitely, yeah. Especially like so, May time, a lot of my assignments are due. I'll try and reduce my workload and let people know. So I'll try and spend like half a day each week doing some uni work just to get it done. And I'm really fortunate my line manager will actually read through my assignments for me. I'll send them across to James. He really kindly takes his time and he'll check them through and just give me any tips that he can from his professional opinion. And that's really boosted my marks. But that's also one of the benefits of the apprenticeship being able to do that and ask for the expertise of colleagues I could have been more grateful for it so in terms of outreach and what's going on there what outreach have you got coming up both of you so for me I'm doing quite a lot of stuff with the I'm an engineer get me out of here zones there's one that's going to be happening in June so if there are any engineers that want to sign up then literally if you just type in I'm an engineer get me out of here and it will come up and you can sign up but also talking to them about how we can make it more of data center global outreach program, because I think what you end up getting, and, and I know Laura will say that Arcadis do a lot of outreach, but if we take some of the, the people that have contributed to the data center pathfinder, Google will do outreach and everything is very siloed. So it would be a good idea to have a common platform of outreach to schools so that young people are able to approach people across the board rather than having to go to siloed people or or siloed schools because it means that you can reach everybody there were some studies done with the I'm an engineer uh, get me out of here people that say that uh, kids that live more than 15 minutes drive to an engineer or to a, a company don't get any visits so being able to do everything online really helps get the message out to all of the areas where you may not have somebody live in to go and speak to a, a school about engineering or about data centers. And it helps that the, the platform gives you that visibility. That's what I've been involved with more than anything else. Uh, that and my day job, obviously. What's coming up next for you both? What are you looking forward to? Oh, a holiday would be nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Data Centre Pathfinder grow from strength to strength because obviously it's, it's literally just come out. There was a lot of efforts. I think Rhonda spent well over two years going through it. It took it was a massive collaborative effort to get this out and, and, and online and available to people. So I think that there's going to be continuous development on that. And there's going to be some new and exciting things happening to be able to help identify where they would best suit careers and data centers and I carry on with my day job and traveling the world and looking at data centers everywhere you're the most glamorous jet setting data center person I know and Laura what, what about you what are you excited about what's coming up for you I'm just generally working at the moment I'm finally going to visit my site next week I've been working on this project for almost a year and I'm finally going to see it and I meet a lot of my team who I've not met in person I'm looking forward to trying to reach out to some more schools and talk to them about apprenticeships and data centres and construction, like especially my old sixth form, they were very focused on, you should go to uni, you will study medicine. And I was very strange for not wanting to do that. I knew I didn't want to go to uni full time. I knew I wanted to do an apprenticeship. So I want to keep pushing for that in schools. I attended a careers event in it was January this year. It was all online because I managed to get COVID at the time, as we all probably have done. But I managed to reach out there and speak to a group of year eights. And I was telling them a little bit about my career. And they'd never really heard of project management. 
but and then they were like well, what is project management it's in the title really manage projects so I really want to try and do more of that and reach out to some schools and um, go in and talk to them about apprenticeships and how important they are and then obviously data centers I'm trying to get my uni involved in data centers a lot of the things we study at uni are just commercial buildings or houses and I was speaking to my lecturer a couple of weeks ago and I was saying well we don't all work in that I do data centers so I'm in the process of sending over some information to her to try and get that put into the uni syllabus. These things are so important. We need to know what they are. We all rely on them, as I mentioned earlier. Well, you're both the best ambassadors for the data centre world that I can think of. So would it be all right for us to keep speaking with you? We'll keep following your progress. Anything we can do to support what you're doing moving forward? Absolutely love to do that. Please use us as a conduit for whatever you need to say to people. And just thank you so much for joining us today. Definitely. It sounds like a plan. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Take care, ladies. At this point in the show, Inesh Santos, our associate editor, would usually talk us through the stories in the new written issue, but she's away on her holidays, so I'm bringing them to you. Stories include Naomi Timperley, founder of Tech North Advocates, discusses why the time is now to address the tech diversity imperative. She recently spoke at an event called Tech for Diversity at Plexel, an innovation company and co-working space based at Here East a tech campus in East London's Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Polly Poon, founder of Time to Raise and head of operations at the EQT Foundation, discusses her mission to create a fairer startup ecosystem and push impact solutions forward. We also hear from futurist Tracy Follows about combining her loves for philosophy and technology in her career as a futurist. She works for global brands on their new launches or their trends-based challenges or on the changing needs of their consumers. She also works for the public sector or non-profits. Tracy is a fellow podcaster, so do check out the links to her podcast in our show notes. Finally, Haley O'Toole, live capture supervisor at ITV, shares what it's like leading a team of four to deliver ITV's live content to ITV Hub and other video on-demand platforms. Also, ahead of International Day of Girls in ICT, she shares why we must show girls that there's a place for them in technology careers. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show Your feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us for the next issue where we'll be meeting women in space. That's all for now. 